Good morning, guys. This is Louis J, and we're on Staying Alive. How was your week? Yeah, it was a great week, man. Got a lot of work done. Actually, it's nice to see businesses returning, and uh, especially in the events business, um, because it was looking pretty bleak for a while there. Like all the contracts were canceled, and in a more recent turn of events, um, you know, you make some moves and clients still need to connect. And I'm talking about business uh, events. Why don't you kind of break down what the whole business event landscape uh, looks like? To some of us, we have no clue what's, uh, what's going on there. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, um, first and foremost, um, of course, events were happening all over the world. Um, it's how people connect, uh, face-to-face meetings, conferences, national sales meetings, trade shows, you know, and the likes. I'm talking specifically about the business side. Of the events industry, um, not to pay for events that you'd you'd attend, like the cottage show or the home show or <clears throat> events like that. Right. It's um, it's a it's an industry and a market that's so important to business and the way they operate because it allows the companies to rally their troops mm-hmm. to script one voice in saying that our mandate for Q1, Q4, Q3 is X and they'll get together to not only do a pulse check on the teams, but to really inspire them to go and fulfill the the marching orders for whatever the next session would be, whether it's a quarter, half year. <clears throat> Companies often do multiple meetings throughout the year. They'll kick off their year with a national sales meeting. They'll follow it up with what uh, some call cycle meetings. Are or, these primarily like larger size companies or? Well, I think you see them in every in every uh, size and, and, and fashion in the sense that um, even small group companies like to get together and their meetings might not be um, as, as impactful uh, or maybe they are as impactful, but they don't have all of the procedures and, and planning that goes into the larger meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've, we've hosted leadership meetings for as little as 10 and our sweet spot really is in that hundred person range in that it's 75 to 150 to 200. Once you're planning for a hundred people, you're planning for a thousand. Right. And so it, it's critical that the companies would get together and, you know, uh, if anybody's part of a sales organization, it's, it's almost a mandatory, you know, that, uh, the teams would get together and they would have this face to face interaction. They would typically have somebody come in, um, in some cases be a keynote speaker kick off the event, tie it back to a theme, you know, so for us, excuse me, when we're planning events, we're meeting with companies six to eight months in advance, sometimes longer. It depends on how big the initiative is and how many resources the company could put on the program. Right. So, you know, we would be in planning um, from identifying what the current condition is in the, in the office, you know, uh, is everybody motivated? Are they happy? Did they make their sales? You know, it's it's entirely a different conversation with leadership when uh, things aren't going so well. Actually, I just wanted to point out, we worked on a show a long time ago in the dental space. Right. And the dental space, from what I recall, um, these people were working in a, in a structure or a formula that was 30 or 40 years old. And apparently this show, it was all about the future and how everything changed because they were doing like 3d printing on or 3d design on uh 
on, on teeth. Yeah, so that was, if I recall, it's uh, the dental industry moving into digital. Right. And digital is a big piece of, of that industry and more reason to have conferences and meetings so that not only do you, do you recognize what's new, um, because you're going to talk about product highlights, you're going to talk about uh, advancements, and you're certainly talking about a new world of digital in that space. So getting together as a group was critical because they would, they would uh, sell all their wares, as it were, show the, the world what they were doing, um, what the industry was looking for, and then set a path and a course for the companies to be able to, you know, fulfill. So it's, it's, it's a very important piece for most companies. Um, I think more importantly, just to understand culture and alignment, you know, so as they would set up their national meetings or, or national sales meetings, business meetings, conferences, you find that um, you understand the pulse of what the company's doing and, and what maybe they need to concentrate on. So for us, it was understanding what's the key message need to be, and we'll strategize around a theme. And then, of course, the theme equals the key message, and then you have a chance to reinforce that theme over many touch points in live industry, sorry, in live conferences. Um, and so, you know, our goal as planners was to weave this message in throughout the conference. And I think if you do it really well, you create these memorable moments for the attendees. And uh, there's a lot of value in, in attending a conference, especially if the planning organization is, is uh, moving forward, they're thinking about the future, they're doing uh, activations and engagements that are not typical. Um, that's something that I pride uh, myself on and my team on because we think completely outside of the box when it comes to executing a plan. Um, and of course, you know, when, when COVID hit, all of the contracts were canceled right. for 2020. At least we saw the the next year or the next eight or nine months. Um, and expectedly, um, everything was brought to a halt. So let's go through that list of things that stopped. Like for an event, who's affected there? Wow. Well, first of all, there's 26 million event planners globally. So it's a massive community. Mm-hmm. It's a community that influences change and structure and immediately the event planners event organizations and anybody working for a company like ours saw a complete halt but then you think about the trickle down the event venues the hotels of course the travel industry we know uh more noticeable now is the live event industry so anybody that was entertaining at your event the public speakers the keynote speakers um, the production companies, the food and beverage, the catering, the transportation. You'd the, also bring in entertainment at times too, right? Like almost always, we would um, we would ensure that you know we created a unique environment, and in doing that, entertainment was a big piece of it. Even you know you're talking about um, morning engagement sessions. We would bring in yoga um, instructors to be able to start the morning off. They now see a hit in in how events happen. We would bring in massage therapists for lunch. Uh, breaks uh, so that you know the attendees could have a minute to be relaxed and they no longer uh, are employed as a result and so you know there's a lot of moving parts to a well-run event and it it's not one specific industry as a matter of fact it's everybody I mean when you think about how do you service from the bartenders to the door host to the security guards um, you know to the to the the cars that pick them up at the airport to bring them I mean there's 
is a lot of moving parts. And as a result, there's a lot of people that were out of business and some of them independent, some of them work for large companies. The, the, the situation that, that we were presented with was a complete shutdown and halt. Like many other industries, we're no different. However, <clears throat> I think what became, I think somewhat uh, daunting or scary is that we didn't see where we could flick the, the lights back on. And, you know, you had companies that were still moving and trying to assemble and doing it on their own. And, of course, you know, I'd love to have picked up stock in Zoom because uh, <laughs> it just became it became a, 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 a dining table conversation. Now, all of a sudden, the word Zoom was in everybody's, you know, uh, mind and, and on their lips. And, you know, you'd get families having games with other family members on a Zoom call and, that became the new norm for all the businesses that we help and the corporations that were trying to host meetings. So they would get together weekly on these Zoom calls. And, you know, the, we've heard the conversation around laptop, laptop fatigue, mm-hmm. Zoom fatigue, you know, meeting fatigue, because you really have a, a, a limited attention span unless something's very engaging. Right. And so everybody muddled through it. Companies got through it. They did their weekly Zoom meetings. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> we, of course... Uh, wanted to keep in contact with the clients. So we would help in, in some cases try to organize small Zoom events or at least to enhance what they were doing. But in a lot of cases, they felt that it was something they could do on their own. So there wasn't a place for us to help plan. Um, perhaps we had a facilitator that we could provide and that was you know a small piece of business that we saw back. Um, and only probably in the last three or four weeks, really, um, other companies were very forward thinking and they, they developed a, a studio in their, in their lunchrooms and they developed um, a really quick response to being online. Mm-hmm. They outfitted all their teams. I mean, think about that. Just to be able to keep companies connected, uh, the IT departments were tasked with a very challenging time and, and process to be able to send out equipment, you know, practically overnight so that they could connect with their customers they could connect with their people. They could have one key message and everybody could keep everyone calm. At least they were connecting. Right. <clears throat> and so that's been the norm for quite a while now. It feels like forever. Um, and as I said, when we started, you know, it seems to be coming back to life. And I think only for the companies that were able to use that big magic P word early on, which was pivot. Mm-hmm. Um and the industry itself uh, has probably seen a lot of casualties from the event planning side that weren't able to pivot, right. that weren't able to see the future. And uh, I'm fortunate that we did. You know, we made a quick early uh, decision, like in in the first three or four weeks, when we realized that the contracts were canceled and it's time to either sit around and do nothing and try to figure it out. But when I got out of that foggy haze, I mentioned that before. It was a time of action, and and for that, we made the switch and transition to offering virtual platforms for all of our meetings. When did you have that aha moment? I th- if I recall, I think it was in end of May, beginning of May maybe. I can't remember, but I know that I had thought about, so what's next? Right. And I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're always trying to figure out what that next moment is. I knew that it wasn't going to be the same, and we had to make – a sizable change in the way we operated. And more importantly, um, we had to let our clients know that we were moving in this direction so that they could rely on us. Right. And I think that was a survival mode as well so that they didn't have to go and look for anyone else. 
that maybe um, had more experience in that space. So we went back to school. We, uh, we took advantage of the fact that everything was online. It turned into an online uh, resource library overnight. And uh, we recognized who was doing it really well in the virtual world. And we formed partnerships and alliances, you know. And now, of course, if you were in the virtual world before, you would only ever see small uh, pieces of a conference digitized, um, a virtual component. And not always. Right. Because there really wasn't a demand for it. I mean, we've done some cool stuff in the past where we've projected holograms of CEOs from Europe over to North America. We've uh, had digital kiosks to help describe a product or a service. So we used virtual in as many events as possible and ones that made sense. And <clears throat> it wasn't a lot when it came down to the comparison of what happens in live. So now, of course, when you're able to make that move and transition and we learned and we, and we gained the relationships and started to make a plan um, and let our clients know, it was like the, uh, a massive relief Right, because I think that quite honestly they were tasked and they they were at the end of their ropes um, in a lot of cases where, you know, um, the meeting convener that would have been responsible for all the the, the sales meetings um, is now trying to manage a, a new world, this online piece, and you know there's a lot of people that just didn't adapt very well to it and or are still struggling with it and and find themselves checking out and not engaged, and it's not really doing what it's supposed to, and the message is not getting across. Right. And so I think that they were just happy to find out that, you know, a trusted resource, a supplier partner, um, has moved into an area that's going to service them. And I think that's that goes back to understanding your audience and, and understanding that there's a need there, and how can I possibly service them? Because being in service is everything. And how could we make it easier for them to to get back to what's important? And their machines just kept on moving. You know, in some cases, of course, they've seen reductions in operating costs, you know, um, that, you know, go right to the bottom line. So that's a good thing. However, they've also seen reduction in sales and revenue because they can't go connect with their customers and clients. So that, of course, is the trickle down. And in some cases, um, the revenue has stayed the same but the cost of acquisition has been lowered because there's not travel and mileage and, and, and lunches and all the other things that go with it, right. you know? So <clears throat> for me to walk back into a client's office and say, you know, we're going to potentially save you a hundred, 200, $400,000 in hosting your national meeting because we're not getting on planes. We're not putting heads in beds. We're not doing food and beverage contracts, and we certainly have very limited AV costs. So let's take what you would have normally spent, uh, save as much as you can, but let's create something dynamic that we can come out to your audience, your employees with, and show them that this can be as effective. It can be entertaining. It can be educational, and I've always loved combining those two, so it's an uh, edutainment piece right um and do it in a way that's that's relevant and meaningful so that we can minimize that laptop fatigue and we can engage them in in special ways and that's when you really have to have a collaborative team that puts together ideas that just don't stop so we're trying everything you mm -hmm. know and, and we're we're as i think they they throw the the pasta on the wall if the noodle sticks let's keep moving with more noodles you know so that's for us it's been uh 
it's been challenging. However, it's been very satisfying because it's development and it's thinking and it's, it's offering a new service to an industry that really wouldn't have moved at all had this not happened. I mean, when you're doing a live event, there's something to be said about seeing the faces and reactions of, of the people that are attending these events, um, kind of responding to the things that you've produced. I, I mean, nothing can really take that away, but I think you're still getting that same feeling now when you're doing these virtual conferences. Well, we're, we're definitely seeing um, a high level of satisfaction and a high level of engagement. And you're right. There's nothing that's going to replace face-to-face. There is a very special um, condition. The, the, the human behavior around connection is so strong, and it ends up actually influencing culture. And that's an unknown uh, in a lot of cases where uh, CEOs, country managers, or even the, the team, the senior leadership team, might not recognize the true value of connecting, but when they've had it taken away from them, they understand the importance moreover than ever before. And it's been something that we've been very conscious of and recognizing that, you know, we're actually responsible for the internal brand mes- message. We're, in, we're responsible for ensuring that the culture is, is uh, productive, happy, engaged, and you might think that that's a lot of responsibility uh, on an event planner side. And, you know, I really think that we go beyond event planning. So any of the event planners that do a really great job go far beyond simply planning an event. It's one thing to make the, the room look great and the tablecloth match the, uh, the banners. And, you know, when it comes to the aesthetic, um, event planners have that down pat. The difference here for us, the distinction is um, we tie in key messages to everything that happens, every activation opportunity whether it's an off-site dinner when we were doing live and we took over the digital screens of the restaurant so that we could, you know, uh, inject messages that made the company very proud and uh, made the employees recognize it with a good organization to lighting up uh, a mountain with, you know, a branded logo, you know, or um, large format projection in a, in a, in an environment that has them really, you know, see their brand and, and be chest pounding proud. So <clears throat> I think that management now realize that connection is super important and we're not going to replace it until we get a chance to really be in, in each other's company. But now it's up to us to create these virtual touch points that make a difference. And so, you know, we're approaching the entire event completely differently. It's, 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 it's been awesome. Like it really has been. And I, I don't mean to, to you know, belittle the fact that this has been really damaging and, and very painful for a lot of people. Trust me, it's certainly, from a revenue standpoint, was painful for us as well. However, um, I'm very excited about the future. I'm excited about the fact that <clears throat> we're living in this new uh, mindset that says, let's try it. Well, we're actually living in history right now as it's happening. Because, like I said, I, I was I'm always thinking about these attendees how their reactions are to this, you know, you've done some events now yes. on the virtual platform and they're, they're, they seem a bit more excited because they're experiencing something completely different from what they're used to for the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. It's certainly different from what they're used to and it's different than what they had to pivot to and switch to. So that's also something that they were looking for. I think a bit of relief. They're looking for some excitement again mm. and you know, 
a weekly Zoom call, let's face it, it's far from exciting. Right. Unless you've got a very dynamic management uh, group that really, you know, put into that weekly meeting or call something that made it um, entertaining, then you were just, it was just another meeting. It's another call. And that's that's got to have some, you know, wearing factors on people's brains. Another one, another one, another one. And that seemed to be the, the mindset that we got when we started interviewing clients again. And the process for us is to sit down and talk to management, talk to the field, understand the current condition, and what's the message. And in a lot of cases, this this new meeting space that we've just created, I think we're into five virtual meetings right now uh, with two more planned in October. So the good news is, is that once they realize that we're offering the service and that we've made the, the um We've made the leap to be able to create these memorable moments and we describe them over a call. They're very excited about it and they want to, they want to engage. So, you know, that's five plus three or four. I think by the time the season's out, we're almost back to where our contracted position was before we started or but, before we were locked down. Yeah. But knowing you, uh, I know in your live events, you really like to stand out. Your events do stand out. How do you, how do you transition the standout performance that you do in a live situation into your virtual platform? I love that question. You're welcome. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you because I think we do stand out. And we've been told over and over and over again that, you know, especially from veterans in the industry and space, for example, in pharma, we've met a number of people that have been in, you know, in pharma for years. And uh, the comment that I hear all the time, uh, and it's a terrific compliment, is that I've been here for like 17 years in this industry. I've never seen anything like this. You really, you, you did something special here. And that's super important. Back to that idea of creating culture. It's super important to be able to have those moments when, for example, a new hire comes in and now there's a major shift in the talent pool mm. and people are moving from one company to another. This is now more than ever the most important time for a company to show its true colors mm -hmm. and how they take care of their people and a lot of that comes back to how does the event unfold and what did you where did you put me in in that in that in that organization where did you put me in that meeting and so people start to feel you know special in an online forum in an online world and that's very difficult to do so what happened for us is that we quickly collaborated. Like I said, we made the alliance relationships with companies that were doing this for a long while, but had no real platform to 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 uh, produce it on. And um, and so we started thinking about, so what's going to be entertaining for this audience? And of course, this always comes back to knowing your audience. So because we take care of business events, um, there's a lot of similarities despite the industries. Being different, there's a lot of similarities in the way people respond and act and work and, and perform. And so for us, it was a chance to be able to create, I'm going to call it a Netflix series. If I'm going to have anyone sit in front of a laptop for two, three, four hours a day, and because, you know, Canada's so large and some of our, uh, some of our companies are located in, in, uh, in one of the major centers in, in Canada... Um, we've got to be conscious of the fact that we've got different time zones. So all of a sudden, that meeting that would normally start at 8 o'clock in the morning and go till 5 has now been condensed till 10, till 3. So I've got a shorter window to be able to communicate the same messaging, if not more, because there's there's a need for better updates and stronger updates. Um, so we had to really look at, we're going to condense the time frame. Now, how are we going to inject all of those cool things we did in live? What are we going to do here? And so... 
the approach was, and an easy descriptor for us was to say, let's create a series. Let's create something that is like normal behavior for anyone that happens to have binge watched, you know, a series on any one of the streaming uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. And so that was conceptually how we approached it. So what does that mean? Um, what can we possibly do? We can't do that sensory piece. We can't have smell. We can't have, you know, the lighting when they walk into the room. We can't have that big kickoff with the explosions when we did that kind of stuff. Or the music. You know, the music. Yeah. You really, you really had to figure out how could you uh, position those touch points into this new virtual space. And it became clear right off the bat that if we concentrate on building out content to support the client's content, now we're going to marry these two in a way that should be treated just like watching a series. And so we went even further. Like, what can we do in, in live? Um, uh, although we're doing a virtual meeting, what can we do live with them, even though they're not together? So we create content around a kickoff video that's not related to their industry. Because by now, they're getting industry fatigue. Everybody's talking about the same thing. I would never show a dental client you know, teeth, uh, yeah. I would, I want to take them, I want to take them to Mars. I want to get them like way out there and have them look at the screen for the first, you know, three minutes and go, what the hell is going on here? That's when you create memories. When you arrest and shock and, you know, um, make people have an emotional reaction to what you're doing, then you're going to win. You're going to be that memorable piece that, that they just can't help but talk about. Mm -hmm. And we've enjoyed that relationship with them for so long that I would feel that if we didn't do it here, I would be so disappointed because I would have failed them. And so, um, <laughs> you know, every one of the events that we've had so far, we've created this wish list. Like, wouldn't it be great if? Mm -hmm. Can we simultaneously deliver across the country lunch, you know, so that we could all be eating at the same time? And of course, that's a challenge because, you know, Vancouver's having breakfast and the East Coast is having dinner. So now how do we do this? So maybe it wasn't lunch. But by thinking about what happens when the CEO at 10 o'clock says, okay, guys, you're going to hear a ring on your doorbell or there's going to be somebody delivering a package right now. Could you go get them? And then everybody comes back to open up the package. And then you, you recognize that that package is connected to the theme and the key messaging is in the gifting if they're doing any gifting at all right. or if they're doing tools to be able to help sell or, you know, whatever whatever shows up on their door, did we create a wow when it got there? Mm -hmm. And if we weren't able to have it delivered at the same time, um, just because logistics are challenging, then what if we had it there with, you know, a, a label that said, do not open and tell? And then, of course, you know, the country manager would come on and they'd have this celebration around opening, you know, a gift. And that became a touch point. It was something different. They hadn't experienced it before. And then what do we do with them in between their content? Because the goal is for the for the company to get the messaging out, to make sure that everybody's walking out with one script, one standard voice. And so they've got a, a job to do. They've got to crunch content into a short window. And how is that going to be effective? And how are we going to do workshops and role playing? And, and so we became uh, a true partner, I think, and recognized that we now have to be involved in their content. And we may have to take you know, their presentations and, and uh, graphically enhance them, uh, you know, make sure the message is on point or give them um, counsel on how they could actually improve that presentation so that it didn't fall flat. Or scale it down too, right? Or scale it down because there's nothing worse 
than a very enthusiastic manager that's got 68 slides and 20 minutes to do it. And, <laughs> you know, it's, let's face it, it's not their, it's not everyone's right. uh, expertise. Right. Presentations, um, they could be phenomenal one-to-one or one-to-few, to but when they're talking about presenting to the whole company, it's always been a challenge to have people that, aren't experts in that space, do an expert's job. So you're there with them hand in hand throughout the whole process. The whole way through. Gu- guiding them. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's one of the things, um, you know, you're you're super busy and we're in this new uh, way of, of presenting things. Like how, how do you stay on the pulse and also how do you become that trendsetter uh, on the new thing that's coming out? You have to be a futurist. You have to look to where we're going to go, not where we are and not where we've come from. Uh, Certainly understand the past so that you can create a really cool future, but you have to throw out the playbook and you just got to start from scratch. And I think there's no idea that gets dismissed. It might not come to life, but by not allowing it to at least be considered prevents the opportunity you find to find a version of it that can be produced, you know? So again, I don't like making uh, decisions in isolation. I like making them in collaboration. And so you would count on your team to be able to come to the table with great ideas, you know? Um, and, And like I said, everything's open for discussion and find the one piece that makes the most sense and then quickly perfect the schedule and how does this unfold and you know is this a good time for us to do a team engagement you know do we do an energizer when they come back from lunch right um do we do a gamification so that we have the key message uh, moved throughout the meeting but in a way that's not invasive and it doesn't stop them from actually learning or participating but it gives them that sense of challenge and of course when somebody wins something because of their you know what they've what they've produced or how they've participated, they love that. You know, there's really not many people that don't like winning. So I like to give them an opportunity to win as often as possible. And creating these engaging pieces uh, was an opportunity for us to go and find people that were doing a good job of this to begin with in the live world, let them move into virtual or find, most importantly, who's been doing, who's been doing this for, you know, more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. So who is that? I mean, I've thought about it right off the bat. It was clear. This is the gaming industry. The gaming industry has been virtual since day one. And so listen, parents out there listening to this right now, don't get pissed off at your kid for gaming. It is going to be the future and not necessarily in the platform that you see it. But I'm talking about people that were creating um, environments virtually and you know they're simulating you know, an action. And that's where the industry is going to go. Like, there's no question. And that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about trends. Like, do you, do you focus in the industry that you're working in? Or do you look at other industries to pick on, uh, pick up on something that they might be doing in, let's just say the fishing space or the gaming space? Right. Are you, are you constantly looking at other industries for some little nuggets there? Yes. Our, our center of influence comes from everywhere. I mean, when we looked at gaming, it was to really understand how can we create a gamification throughout the meeting? Because we would have solutions for that in live events that we were tried, true, tested, and it was always going to be a hit. Um, for us now, it was to say, who's been doing a great job? And the gaming industry became very clear that they've, been, they've mastered it. 
it's the only space that they've really been in. So now let's look at what they've done that was cool. And so that even influences the entry video, the kickoff video. So is there something that we can use from from what you know that game starts off with? And to to your to your question, you know, um, we haven't looked at the fishing industry yet, but we looked at you know live shows. You know when um, when consumer shows would happen, we'd look at those and see you know what are they doing differently that we could try to wrap into here. We looked at entertainment um, and how can we scale entertainment so that it's got the right fit in this in this meeting. And now more than ever, it's important for us to try to find those uh, unique creative points outside of that space and start to, you know, pull them in where it's best suited. And every single event, like I said, so far, we've created a wish list to say, wouldn't it be cool if, and then that wish, you know, registration, can we pre-populate registration so that we know what meetings they're going into? How many breakout rooms can we have? And when we go to a breakout room, can we transition with maybe a cool little branded message? And that's where the investment in content goes up because we normally would transition from a keynote speaker mm-hmm. um, to the attendees all going to breakout rooms to learn more. Um, and we would put music on and lighting would kind of move in the background. And it was cool to walk out to a video that was, you know, rotating uh, images of themselves. And so we've taken all of those best practices for live and figured out a way to digitize them. So when our clients are coming into their meeting, they've, they've come in, with a pre-registration, we've built a platform to be able to have them have everything they're looking for in one space. It basically bec- becomes a mobile meeting app, um, but it's a web platform. And it allows us to create uh, exhibition rooms. Mm. Uh, it allows us to simulate a trade show. It allows us to have one to many conversations, webinars where somebody's talking about product development or HR or compliance or regulatory we've created a way for those not only to be branded so you feel like you're in the space that is completely connected to whatever division or department that was, um, but I can have, you know, Sarah from HR in there talking about, you know, compliance or, you know, whatever the topic that they would normally put on stage, I can have uh, that person in there delivering a message to many people at 1 o'clock on Thursday because that's scheduled. And that schedule's already been um, preloaded to the, the meeting portal so that they have they don't have to go back to their calendars to find out where to log in and where to log out and is there a code and mm. you know that's very um, that's where I think we're going to see major advancements in the in the seamlessness of how we get them there and then how they move from room to room uh, for uh, engagement pieces for team building um, you know so I think that that for us it's a matter of just continually evolving that wish list let's find out what else is cool and what we can do maybe we can have i mean we've done this just last week actually where we had you know um a band a notable band um that would have been perfectly set for the audience because of their age range and we had them do you know three songs in a waiting room when everybody had um a cocktail package show up at their door Mm. so they would mix their cocktail and you know or whatever mocktail excuse me, and the band would play three songs, and then you know, as opposed to simply leaving like they normally would, we did an up-close and personal Q&A so that we could have the conversation, you know, with the lead singer who, chances are, you know, half this audience, like, grew up with that guy. Right. And now there's a chance to have a one-on-one. Wow. You want to talk about a memorable experience, you know? So that's, 
that's for us uh, critical in how we move this forward and how we entertain and educate at the same time. I noticed you've also been injecting a, a, a different concept where you're having presenters in a studio rather than in their bedroom or office uh, doing their Zoom hit. Um, how did that come to be? Well, uh, we again, looking for who was making the move and making the big pivot. Um, some of the AV companies uh, were smart enough to take advantage of their warehousing. Um, they created safe stages, presenter stages, um, with all of their equipment that they would normally roll into a venue, uh, digital screens, backdrops, lighting, um, <clears throat> you know, elevated risers, and they would have entirely set up a full tech deck with all of the crew uh, physically distanced so that they could have a safe environment to have um, a presenter, country manager, or CEO deliver the opening message, you know, from a stage with full-on production like they normally would see. And that obviously changes the game. That gives a, that gives everybody a sense of, okay, there's a production behind this. This is this is legitimate, it's real, and they've put some effort into this. And that changes the the position of the person receiving the information. So I, I always advise that, you know, if we could turn up the production um, piece, it'll pay us in ways that we don't recognize right now. It certainly costs more money, but when you've got an environment that allows you to physically distance panelists or senior management or sales um, uh, development people, and they could sit on chairs and be in an interview environment and it's safe and it's been protected and the protocols are all in place, then all of a sudden you've got a way, you know, to, to produce an event um, for online that now mimics more of what live was really like. I'm not sure if I'm accurate here, but I kind of feel like the way we're heading, we were going to get there in probably 10 or 15 years anyway, but because of COVID, it's almost like this force um, experiment and we just found the way. Yeah. It, it could be said for many things. The event industry definitely found its way. Um, our only way to come out of it is to be inventive, um, to innovate how we respond to this. And I believe like other industries, we're going to keep the best practices that have just we've been forced to to take on, and we're going to uh, we're going to mix those with the live event experience, if and when that ever returns. Right. And, and and I and I'm not suggesting that there's not a return, but for the foreseeable future, it's really it's not going to happen. Right. I, I, my my predictions, um, even in the early stages of this, have been accurate so far, and I'm not with a crystal ball, but I do see, you know, what people's behavior is and how they would respond to this. And so I think that we're learning a lot in this experiment and we're going to take the best things that we've ended up developing and we're going to employ them down the road and we're going to find this mix. So, you know, for us, I wasn't sitting still. Um, we rebranded a whole division of a company We came up with um, a message and came up with the story about why and how and what we're about to offer you from a service point of view. And we're launching that in a, in a week or two, you know, so we're coming out to the market with everything's fine. We're going to, we're going to help you. We're going to make this really as cool as it possibly can be. And um, we can't wait to get back to live, but even when we do, you know, we're going to transition that in. And so our, our statement now is event strategy uh, virtual, live, and hybrid. 
because hybrid will be the transition stage back to uh, what normal we understood, but it's not around the corner, especially when, you know, you've got um, numbers going back up and people becoming very cautious. And let's face it, you know, in the business events industry, um, you're talking about corporate culture, you're talking about corporate governance. Um, there is going to be very limited travel and connections in person and live uh, when you consider the risk uh, that potentially a company could could be faced with, you know, not just beyond simply somebody catching something, but imagine if that happened and it was a result of you insisting that they participate in a live event, a conference, a national sales meeting. Right. So risk mitigation is going to be, you know, the number one driving force in preventing us to move back when we need to move back. It's still going to be on everybody's mind. And let's face it, there's three types of people. Um, I may have said this before, but one is, you know, if I've been asked to attend, I want to make sure that the safety protocols are in place. I want you to tell me how you're keeping me safe. And that's going to fall on the conference organizers. So we've got to put a protocol in place. And, and that means that we've got to work with our venues and our suppliers. And now we've got to have a whole lockdown and procedure. And that's going to change the shape of what we do. So that's the one attendee. The other attendee is like, thank God, I haven't been able to get together with people forever. I don't believe in this. I don't care about this. Right. I just need to get back to normal. We need to get the economy going. And you're going to get that person that comes in that's now, you know, uh, been asked to attend the conference. And then lastly, you're going to get the other attendee that's like, there's no chance. I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to get together with my colleagues. I have no idea how they're protecting themselves. I'm not going to put myself at risk. So in trying to serve those three mindsets, um, the bigger challenge is how do we create that common glue that they can all feel served, they right. can all feel good. And I believe that's going to be hybrid and there's going to be an option to attend and we're going to be really challenged to change again, you know, in the next six, eight months where, you know, live and hybrid together, uh, sorry, live and virtual together equals this hybrid child. What's that really going to look like, you know, and and is this small regional meetups of 10 to 15, 20 people that could all travel by car um, <laughs> and connect with people in other parts of the country. Right. I mean, it smaller groups peppered yes, throughout the country. Peppered throughout. And what? how does the dynamic change there? And that's when we're going to look to the future again and start to realize, if I was the attendee, how would I feel? What do I need? What makes me feel safe and good? And uh, what am I motivated to walk out with? Because, again, we're getting back to making sure that the companies are, uh, we're influencing the culture and the outcome. And so that's huge for us. I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a big shakeup. Um, still to this day, we haven't seen the, the true effects of this yet um, from revenue losses and shutdowns and closures and the people that support the events industry. Um, we're going to get COVID fatigue, um, meaning that uh, we've just had to go through so much to manage. We're just going to be, you know, uh, probably at the end of our ropes and looking for solutions that make everybody happy and we can just see the, the future moving forward. That's our hope anyway. I want to kind of dig a little deeper into your crystal ball. This is a general question that probably has nothing to do with topic, but what you might foresee, what's going to happen to businesses where most people are working remotely right now? And in time, let's just wish that the, uh, COVID is gone. How, how do these people, how do these businesses continuing to move forward? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Are they going to maintain these offices that have been empty for seven months? Like, what do you think the, um, 
the forecast is looking for that. Yeah, I think um, what we're seeing and how the reports are coming out that most companies that own a lot of real estate and have produced large offices, um, they're finding that their sales are are are, are coming back up. Mm-hmm. Um, that they've been as efficient as in person, uh, and arguably, you know, it could go both ways there where, you know, people can't really function without connection. And so maybe there's people struggling and how they produce and perform. But for the most part, this, this experiment, this reality showed us that it's possible not to be in the same place. So I think the work week is going to change. I think the hours of operation are going to change and the expectation for people to be chained to a desk is going to change. And that means that we've got to create tools to be able to engage and educate um, more frequently and connect in a way that actually has everybody satisfied that, you know, John's doing his job. Because when self-managed, and that's not everybody's forte, you know, Um, self-starter, self-supervised, self-managed, it might sound good, but when you really break it down, you know, are they? Mm. And are they producing? And, you know, I guess numbers tell, but at the same time, there's a value in having John just down the hall so that conversation can happen. It's fluid. You see a reaction. I mean, I think just like when offices made this move to uh, move away from cubicles and move away from offices and do a bullpen environment, and then they called it hoteling, and you come in, and then they found out that, in fact, this, this large open space was actually counterproductive. Yeah, and people it didn't work. work. It didn't work. Yeah. But for 20 years, we bought into it, yeah. you know? So I think that's going to be, uh, clearly that's going to be what happens where this next trend is going to be, well, let's cut the office in half and not pay the rent. And there's going to be vacancies everywhere because we can efficiently produce this with half the staff in the office and mm-hmm. half the staff at home. Or we're going to do three days at work and two days, whatever they end up coming up with. I think it's going to be um, a trend that they'll want to correct down the road. And I think that there's no, there's nothing that compares to the face-to-face value of having a conversation or a quick comment or gauge a reaction. And I believe that people need this connectivity. You know, they have to get out of their, their houses. And I think that we'll become very tired of this, you know, virtual, uh, virtual employment Mm-hmm. as we see more of it. And I guess that's the uh, an important thing is that we we ha- we can't forget to connect with nature still d- during this whole process as well. Well, yeah, I mean um it's actually one of the parts uh, one of the engagement pieces that we created for, you know, team building was to get outside and we've we've infused art into that. We've infused um a nature walk. We've we've taken, you know, steps to be able to get them to do things differently, you know, like, you know, let's really, let's get outside for a minute. And it's just like, you remember when you were in school and you got to do that one class outside and that was where that idea came from. Yeah. It was like the, it was the special day we had, you know, science outside. That was cool. And so we're looking, you know, to the world around us and to what we've experienced to be able to influence what's about to happen. And some of those nice pleasure points, we just have to keep our eye on them and see how we can put them back into the program.
So this is a new thing that I wanted to introduce into the podcast. We've asked a lot of people out there to submit some questions. Um, you can send them via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And this one is uh, sent to us by Joanne. Um, her question is, uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Is this for me? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, I'd have to say uh, I would look back and talk to myself, a younger Louis, and I'd say, you were right, <laughs> because <laughs> I've always uh, I've always had an idea of you know how things would unfold. I've never been committed to it, but I've been open to it, and uh, it's been pretty good. So I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything. Uh, I wouldn't suggest that I did anything different. Um, I would I would just reassure myself that it's good. Whatever you're doing is going to be just fine. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, I guess uh, we're going to have in the future some more guests you have planned. Can you kind of give us a little bit of insight on uh, who you have planned coming up next? Yeah, if we're getting back to really why this podcast exists, it's to talk about entrepreneurship, relationships, uh, leadership, you know, uh, events that happen in our lives that help shape us. And I always want to keep it on like a, a moving forward and positive, happy vibe, um, because I think we all need that. And so I've got some great guests that I've talked to that are coming in. And one of them uh, just wrote a book, uh, has been through life changing, altering trauma, uh, and has come out on the other side. And her story is like inspiration on steroids. So I can't wait to have her on to talk about that, that journey that she took and where she ended up putting herself right now. And that's going to be a cool conversation. Awesome. So uh, until then, uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time.